Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 123 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Today on the show, we'll be discussing the experiences of women in the fantasy and horror genres, and talking about Women Destroy Fantasy and Women Destroy Horror, special issues of Fantasy Magazine and Nightmare Magazine, written and edited entirely by women. And I'm joined by three guests. So first up, we've got our producer, John Just Fadams. He's the editor of Lightspeed and Nightmare Magazines, and also the series editor of Best American Science Fiction and Fantasy. He's also edited many anthologies, including the recent books The End Is Now, Dead Man's Hand, and Help Fund My Robot Army. So John, welcome back. Thanks, man. Then next up, we've got Kat Rambo, guest editor of Women Destroy Fantasy. She sold more than 150 short stories to magazines such as Asimov's, Clark's World, and Tor.com. Her story, Five Ways to Fall in Love on Planet Porcelain, from her collection Near and Far, was a 2012 Nebula Award nominee. She also earned a World Fantasy Award nomination for editing Fantasy Magazine. So Kat, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me here. And also joining us today is Alan Datlow, guest editor of Women Destroy Horror. She served as fiction editor for Omni Magazine and Sci Fiction, and currently edits stories for Tor.com. She's also edited more than 50 anthologies, including the Best Horror of the Year series. She's also received many awards, including a Life Achievement Award from the Horror Writers Association and the World Fantasy Life Achievement Award. So, Ellen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Okay, and so first of all, John, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Women Destroy Fantasy and Women Destroy Horror? Just what are they and how did they come about? Uh, well, as we discussed on an earlier episode, I think it was episode 112 or somewhere around there, um, uh, Lightspeed uh, did a Kickstarter uh, last year uh, for the Women Destroy Science Fiction special issue, uh, which was prompted by some criticism and, and whatnot, uh, sort of mit- misplaced criticism of people saying that, uh, you know, women were destroying science fiction with their girl cooties and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, by incorporating elements of romance and that kind of thing into, into their fiction. And so people were, com- there were some people that were complaining about that kind of thing. And so in response to that, we decided to do this special issue, Women Destroy Science Fiction. So, you know, we did a kick, we did a crowdfunding campaign for the special issue to help fund making it a double issue. Um, and we had a couple of stretch goals, uh, and two of the stretch goals were, uh, Women Destroy Horror and Women Destroy Fantasy. And so um, basically, you know, we just took the same idea that we had for Women Destroy Science Fiction, which was to get all women uh, creators, so edited, written, and illustrated by women, and we just applied that to the genres of fantasy and horror. And since Lightspeed, um, Lightspeed doesn't publish horror, so we're publishing Women Destroy Horror as a special issue of Nightmare Magazine, and then um, Lightspeed does publish fantasy, but since um, but it only publishes fantasy because Fantasy Magazine merged into Lightspeed back in 2012, and so we figured for the special issue of Women Destroy Fantasy, uh, we'd bring back Fantasy Magazine and have the issue published uh, through there. All right, cool. And uh, how about Kat? You want to tell us about how you got involved with the project? John asked me if I wanted to do it, and I leapt at the chance because I really enjoyed working with Fantasy Magazine when I was doing so, and also because I thought it was such a cool project that I was very excited to be involved with it. Mm -hmm. 
And how about Ellen? A similar story for you? Yeah. Well, yes and no. John asked me, and initially I have to say I was a little hesitant because this uh, women have been destroying, supposedly have been destroying horror for decades. And in the maybe the 80s, there were a few anthologies, all women anthologies, horror anthologies. And I worried. I was never happy with the idea of it, kind of segregating women from men within the horror field. So I was hesitant to participate myself in such a segregation. But then I thought, you know what? It's going to give me an opportunity to bring a lot more attention to some women writers. It can, it would be an interesting nonfiction. The interesting nonfiction aspect, which I didn't edit, would be interesting. And why not? Yeah, so I had I was much more hesitant about it for that reason. Yeah. And I mean, you talk about that hesitance a little bit in your introduction, and there are actually a lot of interesting things you bring up in the introduction. Do you want to just talk about writing that introduction a little bit and what some of those I don't um, remember what I wrote. You'll have to remind (laughs) me. Tell me what I wrote. (laughs) I remember from one minute to another. Uh, okay, well, I'll tell you that the, the first thing you wrote was uh, you say, once upon a time, women not only dominated horror, but invented it. Yes. Um, you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, the inter- interesting thing, of course, is that Mary Frankenstein, Mary Frank, Mary Shelley <laughs> wrote purportedly the first science fiction novel and the first horror novel. It was science fiction horror. And um, what, what I actually, I asked, um, there was the essay by Jessica Amanda Salmonson is something that was published with her collection what did miss what miss darrington saw and um or what did miss darrington see i'm not sure of the exact title and i remembered that essay and what she does she talks about all the women who were writing ghost stories in the 40s and the 30s i mean they were writing ghost stories and those women writers were pretty much forgotten for like 50 years or f- you know Everyone thinks that horror started in like the 80s or even the 70s. And these women were all writing ghost stories and wrote horrific, well, dark, very dark stories. It depends on how you define a ghost story. But I think ghost stories, when they're scary, are certainly part of horror fiction. And they've been ignored. So the idea that women destroyed horror is ironic because it actually started horror, if anyone did. Mm-hmm. And how did that happen that all these uh, great women horror writers were forgotten? I mean, was that a... Just, just was that a lot just? Of, a- I think they were. A lot of the books they were in went out of print, and I think partly they were writing about household things. They were writing about domestic situations, and I think they were overwhelmed by the later masculinity of the writing by men. Um, I think that they just weren't pushed as much, and mm-hmm. you know, I think they just felt. You know, they basically they fell by the wayside. No one reprinted them. A few people started reprinting them. Ashtree Press started republishing all these ghost stories, all these collections by these women um, in the 90s uh, and aughts. Um, so I think they've been rediscovered, but I think they just got ignored. I mean, there's a lot of fiction that was published. You know, things that were bestsellers in the 20s, we never heard of now. So why do they go out of style? Who knows? You know, they were the, the big pot boilers of the 1920s were things that we've never heard of today. So all kinds of fiction gets lost. But I think the women, so-called women's fiction, certainly the women's ghost stories, definitely fell by the wayside. 
Um, how about Kat? Could you talk about the fantasy genre a little bit in the 20th century? Was it a similar sort of thing with women or different in any way? Oh, sure. I mean, I was just reading one of the earliest uh, science fiction pieces. Gosh, I can't remember the name. and I'm totally blanking on it. And if I had my Kindle with me, I could look it up. But it's a, a very, it's like a 17th century fantastic narrative of going into a strange company where there, a uh, country where there's different animal people. Um, and, and I think, and it's actually a book that I discovered through a, a wonderful work by Dale Spender called Mothers of the Novel, which talks about a hundred women writers who were writing at the time that novels first became very popular and who were extraordinarily popular at their time and were, you know, major successes and, and were doing work that at the time the critics thought were the equal of the, of the stuff being produced by, say, Richardson and Defoe and all of those. And she talks about these, this women's writing getting sort of erased. And, you know, it sort of falls by the wayside and people, there are, I would argue that there are, that society is structured in a way that often erases women from history. Um, and, and I think it, Joanna Russ talks a little bit about it in her book, uh, How to Suppress Women's Writing. And it's one of the reasons why I think this project is really important, uh, to celebrate women's writing, hopefully in a way that will endure and sort of fight those forces. Um, so yeah, there's been a lot of women writing fantasy. Uh, Charlotte Perkins Gilman in the uh, earlier part of the 19th century uh, was writing a wonderful feminist utopia called Herland. And I would argue that that is, that is fantasy. And then if you, you know, as whichever end you slide the slider to kind of go up and down in literature, you're going to find women writing at whatever time it is and actually be in producing a lot of popular stuff, which then sort of mysteriously vanishes, um, you know, not through anybody maliciously trying to destroy it, but just because we don't value women's writing as much. So I'm sorry, that's a rant. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we, we like rants here. I mean, actually, you say in your introduction, you say uh, sexism in genre literature has been documented to the point where it seems silly to question its existence. Um, could you just talk a little bit about what, what when you say it's been documented? I mean, what are some of the ways in which it's been documented or the ways in which it's um, expressed itself? I think that it, this is a great conversation that's been coming up recently within the science fiction and fantasy community, uh, where I think that things like some of the harassment that's been going on at conventions is a way of silencing some of the writers uh, and some of the, the people who are both the fiction writers and the, the critics. Uh, you know, the, I think the bloggers are increasingly uh, taking that role alongside uh, the regular, more traditionally published writers. Um, there's just, there, there's so many reviews that I read of women's stuff, uh, which seems so much more about the fact that it's a, a woman writing than about the quality of the story. Uh, some of the ways that Rachel Swirsky's story, which uh, won the Hugo last year, were received, it was described in ways that I don't think were about the quality of the piece, because I thought it was an excellent, wonderful piece, uh, but were much more about the fact that Rachel is very outspoken. Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of Rachel, one thing that sh she wrote an essay for Women Destroy Science Fiction that really struck me because she said that when she edited Podcastle, 
uh, that people complained that she was including too many stories by women, that it was just overwhelmingly stories by women, and that she would count it, and it was always about 50-50. But, but people were always saying, why, why, it's so overwhelming. I would find that in horror. When I was doing, I forget what anthology it was. Um, it might have been horror anthologies, or it might have been something completely different. But I remember one anthology, a male commentator, and it was before the internet, but someone, or when before Facebook and before Twitter, but there were blogs, someone was complaining that the book was overwhelmingly women. And it turned out not even half were women contributors, like third. So like, oh, you have too many women because you have let, you have 40% or 35% women is too many women. It's the same thing, I think, with people of color. You know, oh, you have 25, 30% of them. Oh, they're overwhelming the whole book. You know, I think it's really, um, that's a very false perception and it's a very damaging. In my editorial, I talk a little bit about teaching women's studies uh, when I did, which was back to students who many of them were taking it because it fulfilled a requirement and let them, you know, go on. They weren't taking it because they're particularly interested in it. But I always had, uh, in a classes of 30 to 35, I always had somewhere between four and seven men. And they would come in for their student conferences and they would talk. And more than once, one of them said, well, I'm the only guy in the class. And I would say, no, there's, you know, four others of you. There's five others of you. And they just... There is, I think, as Ellen says, a definite perception that uh, that if there's a misperception, yes. men can't count. There's that old joke <laughs> that I won't repeat, but some of you might know. <laughs> there's a reason men can't count, <laughs> but I won't go into it. Uh, can I just say there's a different problem with horror um, that I do think I don't know if you want to get into this uh, right now, but there are definitely fewer women writing horror than there are men. Um, the question is, and I'm not sure what the answer is, is why that? Why? I think many more women are reading horror, almost probably as many as men, although I don't know how many people have taken done studies of it. But I do think that overwhelmingly men write horror, which doesn't mean there are fantastic female writers. There are many. Well, I mean, so Ellen's saying that in in the horror field, Particularly, there are more men writing than women. Um, Kat, could you talk about in the fantasy fields? Like, what do you think the gender breakdown is there? And are there any subgenres that you think there are more women writing than men? Well, the part of it is I think genre is all about where to shelve things in the bookstore. Uh, so my definitions tend to be sort of broad and loose. There's a lot of stuff that fits into all sorts of categories. Uh, Stephen King's The Gunslinger. Is, is that horror or is that fantasy? Is that dark fantasy? Uh, I think that right now, a lot have, of women have come into the genre through uh, romance, and, and particularly paranormal romance. And I think that uh, accounts for a lot of people writing fantasy, uh, or at least a that, that weird perception that they're all over the place. Um, I, there's a lot of men writing fantasy, too. I would like to see some sort of uh, uh, breakdown before I would really say that I think there's more women. I mean... Maybe more women writing fantasy than horror, but I mean, I don't think there's more women than men writing fantasy right now. Am I? Can you clarify the question? I guess is what I'm saying there. Are we talking about versus horror or men versus women in fantasy? Well, I mean both. But I mean, for example, I, my perception certainly is that paranormal romance, as you said, is associated with women. Um, do you think that there are more women writing paranormal romance than men? 
I, I think I think there are more women writing uh, paranormal romance. And I think there may be some men writing under pseudonyms. Yes, definitely. I know, yeah, I <laughs> know Because several. of that, because of the categorization. I mean, because uh, there's, there's a funny thing in the in Women Destroy Horror where there's an interview with Carrie Vaughn, who writes the sort of urban fantasy. And she says that an, inter- an interviewer asks her, how do you, uh, do you have any tips for writing explicit sex scenes? And she says, well, actually, I don't write explicit sex scenes. But the person just assumed that since she writes urban fantasy with a female protagonist, that it must just be all sorts of vampire werewolf sex all the time. <laughs> there, There is that perception. And I, I will say, I think a lot of the paranormal ran- romance is not about that at all. At all. I think there's a, a few a few examples of, of very popular paranormal romance, like uh, the Anita Blake books, uh, which do have a, a lot of sex in them. Uh, which may sort of tend to stand in for the rest of the genre. Oh, let's see, John, we, let's get you into this conversation here. Have, has, has any of this uh, sparked any thoughts in your mind? Uh, well, I would just say that, like, yeah, again, uh, when we're talking about perceptions of, of the number of, of women versus number of men uh, writing in different genres, like, I, I mean, I can speak from my position as an editor of short fiction. Um, and, you know, just because, like, I use a submission system that tracks all kinds of data and stuff, so I can actually, like, pull up a report and see, like, oh, okay, well, for this genre, um, you know, fantasy versus science fiction, I can see, okay, well, this percentage of stories is, has been submitted by women versus this many by men. Um, it's always been my perception that, that women are writing more fantasy. So, uh, al- although, uh, I, that might just be that it's like, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the reality is. I have to go back into my uh, my spreadsheets to check check out the exact numbers. But um, well, John, what I about always... what about Nightmare? I'm curious. Right. Do you notice? Um, uh, I would say that that's that. There is much more. There's many more men submitting than women. Uh, but if you're talking about the good stuff. Like I think well, there, it's much more of a different. level playing field. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 But but I'm saying just in terms of like. Uh, pure number of submissions. Like I think in with Nightmare, it's probably much more, uh, much more submitted by men. But when you sort of cut off all of the really terrible stuff, I would say it's much closer to to, to average. Although I'd have to look at the numbers to double check that. Just because like there's like a ton of like horrible, horrible, uh, just like the most awful stuff that you can imagine, but not in a good way. Uh, that gets submitted like, and it's it's often revolving around like rape or or, or some kind of thing like that, and 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 it's like. They just go for for that, and they and that's all the story is. It's like it's almost like a rape fantasy, not not even a story. And so there's like a lot of horrible, horrible stuff like that gets submitted. But, right, and, but you, you can't know, dismiss it. I mean, you, it exists. Right. You, you, I mean, you don't have to right. buy it, but it still is something that's being submitted by men. Right, right, and so uh, so you still so, have to uh, count it. Right, right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I think. Like I said, if you uh, if you eliminate the really, really, really terrible stuff, it's probably closer to to you know fifty fifty. But um, but still, I think it's probably more men than women. Um, with uh, with fantasy and science fiction, uh, it's always been my perception that women are writing more fantasy than science fiction. At least because it seems like um, if I'm if I'm just buying stories uh, without like keeping track of of the genders and whatever, I I tend to you know end up uh with with lots of women on the fantasy side and then if i look at the the ledger it's like oh well science fiction it's probably the opposite it's like where i I probably end up with more men than women um but uh i think that's changing um and uh especially well uh after after women destroy science fiction we obviously had a ton more women submitting than had before but i think the fact that i've i've always kept 
um, the magazines. I've always tried to keep the magazines so that they're showcasing, um, you know, I try to showcase an equal balance of uh, gender balance, partly so that I can get, I can encourage women to submit um, whether they normally write science fiction or not. And uh, one of the ways I have always done that is with reprints. So it's like, I don't have to worry about buying stuff um, that's submitted to me through the slush pile. Uh, I don't have to worry about keeping the gender balance there too much, because if, if I get skewed one way or another too much, I can balance it out with reprints. Um, and so that's an, that's a way to like, to, to, to get it so that, um, people who are just a, sort of passively observing the magazine can see like, oh, yes, women are, are very often represented in these pages. And so, um, I'm welcome there. And I think that's been a problem for a lot of different, um, you know, up and coming women writers who see the magazines and they, they see these t- tables of contents that are just like entirely men or there's like one woman in, in 20 men or something like that. And it's just like, I can, I can imagine that being very discouraging, um, and, and make, make them not even want to submit. And so, um, I mean, that was one of the, well, that was one of the factors in, into going into this whole project. Yeah, I mean, speaking of this, the gender imbalance, there was this funny or this, this this line that struck me in the Jessica Amanda Sammonson essay where she said, I had the unpleasantly comic experience of viewing from the audience a panel exclusively of men addressing the problem of, quote, why women don't write horror. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, could uh, Ellen and Kat, could you talk about I mean, I assume you've had experiences like this at conventions. I mean, could um, you talk about I'm that? Trying to, no, I try not to be on panels like that <laughs> um, because it gets boring after a while, you know, because. It's all discussing, well, why, why, why? I mean, is it true? Is it true? Is it true? But no, to have a panel, that's ridiculous. I mean, to have a panel like that, if you're going to do it, then have it all women or mostly women. Um, because the women can say why did, I mean, I have been on panels where we've talked about, and my, I think I was at, um, KillerCon in, uh, Las Vegas a couple of years ago as a guest. And I think I was on a panel, I think it was women, all women, I'm not sure, but we were talking, I believe we were talking about women writing horror. And we didn't come up with an idea, you know, we don't know why women aren't writing it, <laughs> um, or don't seem to be writing as much. I mean, you know, they are writing it. Um, I do think, I think one problem, not with the writing necessarily, but I think women are afraid, some women are put off by reading it. And writing it because of the movies. The movies, the torture porn and slasher movie, well, more torture porn, I think has, has given such a lousy perception of what horror is that women don't want to have anything to do with it. And it's like fighting that perception. I mean, think, I think those movies have debased, I've written this someplace else that, uh, that I think I just mentioned in, in an interview, um, someplace that I think they've debased what horror is cons- perceived at as as fiction, as text, rather, um, the movies, a lot of the movies. And, uh, you know, it's like I have to persuade people, no, that's not horror. Don't consider that horror. Don't think this is what you're going to read. You're not going to get that in my book. Yes, there may be some graphic violence, but it's not gratuitous. It's not torture porn um, against women. And it's an uphill battle. And I do think that the movies, those kind of movies, have really debased the whole field. Sorry, I don't think they've done anything good. <laughs> oh no, I tol- I totally agree. I mean, that was one of the things that when I first launched Nightmare, I really had to fight against that perception. And eventually, I came up with a, a description to try to pitch it to people who were like, you know, they like 
Lightspeed and the stuff I published there. And it's like, well, you know, I'm trying to convince them that the, the stuff in Nightmare isn't that different. It's just that it's on the darker end of the spectrum and it's not like that stuff that you imagine, that you're imagining from slasher movies and all that. And so I could, de yeah, but I could definitely see how that, um, would, uh, definitely put women off even more than men because with women, they're, uh, in the, in those horror movies, you know, they're almost always like the victims and, and they're just horribly getting, you know, slashed and mutilated and everything. And it's like, uh, you can hardly imagine anyone wanting to actually watch that all the time, let alone, you know, if you're actually on, like, you know, a stand-in for you is there on the screen having all that violence done to you. Yeah, I think that's that's an important distinction to make because some bloody stuff is, you know, there's actually the zombie, some zombie movies and some just horrific stuff can actually be kind of fun in an awful sort of way. But when as when it when there is a stand in for you on the screen and that's all that seems to be getting hurt, then yeah, I think it, it can be a, a real turn off and make you feel as though they're not a place for you in the genre. I am curious, Kat though, have you had any experiences like Jessica Amanda Sammonson was talking about of just this sort of cluelessness um on panels and things like well, that? Well, I, I think often I think it's encouraging that at least the the convention was having that panel. Uh you know, I think sometimes Conventions can be. I think that must have been a long time ago. I mean, I I don't think Jessica's been to a convention for a long time, so I'm guessing. And she wrote the essay a long time ago. I can't imagine that there would be that kind of panel in horror now, with with no women on it. I just can't. I'm not imagine that someone that a convention organizer would do that. Well, I I think that I could actually imagine it happening, but I I think more <laughs> more likely to happen is to have a panel that's mixed uh, as far as genders go. And then sometimes, yeah, that's it. Exactly. Sometimes men, I, I mean, I was at a panel a couple of years ago where it was a subject where I was kind of went in and was like, oh, I know something about this. And the two men of the, the male persuasion there did not, literally did not let me speak over the course of the panel. And, and was there a moderator? The moderator was, the was moderator one of them. Male or yeah, it was a male. <laughs> See, that's the, the problem is it's got to have good a good moderator. Yeah, it's got to have and, a good moderator. And sometimes you can't shut someone. I was a moderator on a panel. It had nothing to do with male versus female, and neither did the problem with the person on the panel. But the guy wouldn't shut up, and it was hard to shut him up unless you get a hook. There's no real way to politely shut someone down if they won't, whether they're male or female. I mean, I've had females do that too. I mean, not to, not shutting out other people by gender, but just because they're so taken by what they're saying and they're so egotistical, I guess. They just won't let anyone else speak. Oh, sure. There's plenty of them. But there's also, I, I would argue, some some of those men are doing it because they genuinely, at some level, don't think the women belong up there. Oh, I agree. Know. I agree. Yeah. Although, God help them if they think that of me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd kill them. Well, see, that, that's one. I mean, I'm in, I have to say I'm in a totally different position. I've always been an editor and I've come in. I mean, although early in my Omni days, I did have people who were a little bit abusive, um, but mostly because I came in with a lot of power just because of the position, because I had money, um, that I haven't experienced a lot of the gender discrimination that many women experience in science fiction, fantasy, or horror. Well, and Kat, what, what, how about you? Did you have experiences with discrimination um, as a writer? I don't, I don't know that I have any overt stories. You know, I don't, I don't have anybody's like, oh, damn you, woman, get out of my office or anything like that. In fact, I, I've had a lot of uh, male writers have been very kind. Uh, Jeff Vandermeer collaborated with me early on and uh, 
I think did a, a great deal to help me. And uh, Sean Wallace uh, brought me on Fantasy Magazine, which was uh, tremendous. So I, I don't think, I don't know, I don't, I can't think of any, you know, overt stories. I think every once in a while, one looks at a magazine and says, boy, that story's not very good. Why did they turn mine down? But I, I think, you know, of course, every writer's doing that to some extent. And how about among uh, female authors that you know? Have you heard any anyone say anything um, particularly oh, notable? I, I don't. I don't want to be telling anybody's stories without checking with them first. I, I yes, I, I've heard a, a lot of stories about uh, you know getting harassed or or getting uh, told that the story's not as good. Um, I can, and as I said, I can point to a lot of reviews that I, I think the review is much more about. Uh, says much more about the the writer's dislike of women than about the quality of anything that they're uh, reviewing. Yeah, well, I mean, speaking of harassment, uh, there's a piece in the in, in Women Destroy Horror called "The H is for Harassment." Um, uh, uh, Ellen, since you edited the that, do you want to talk about? Don't I guess... forget, I didn't edit that. <laughs> well, Lisa since... Morton did, but I did read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... since you since you read that, do you want to talk about it? Well, I don't know. I mean, I as I said. From my position as an editor, I've never been harassed in that way. Um, but that's a privileged position. Um, I've been in the field for 35 years, almost, and um, I know of women who have been harassed, not specifically in horror necessarily. I mean, I haven't seen it myself, let's put it that way. I believe anyone who, you know, that there have been unpleasant situations i'm sure it happens um does it happen more in horror than in science fiction fantasy i don't know i really don't know because i've never i just you know i haven't experienced it myself and i haven't really heard about it in horror i'm not as it's what's funny about the the horror field doesn't have the same grapevine as science fiction and fantasy fields do as far as women talking to each other about this kind of thing and maybe it's because there are fewer women who are actually writing it and hanging out at conventions. Um, you know, what Chesha Burke said, I didn't know about that. Um, so, and, it, and it's terrible, you know, what happens to pe to anyone in any place. It shouldn't happen. Um, but I'm not knowledgeable about it, especially not in horror. Yeah, I hear, I've heard much more in science fiction and fantasy. Let's put it that way. Um, Kat, do you have anything else you want to add on that subject? Um, for one thing, I'm a, a fairly tall woman of forceful personality. So I, I think sometimes people who might harass uh, a, a smaller woman that they don't think is going to talk back might opt for that person instead. Um, but that, that said, I've had certainly had moments where people felt free to touch me or to stroke my hair, or, you know, in, in a way that, that I, you know, was kind of like, well, I have a choice between laughing it off because this is a fairly important person in the industry, or I can get real pissy about it. And usually I laugh it out and disengage rather than get pissy about things because sometimes people don't realize what they're doing. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, John, do you have anything you want to throw in here about? women at conventions and stuff like that uh well i'll just i'll just sort of throw in this idea that like 
okay, so, you know, I married a writer, okay? And, you know, occasionally you get these people making these sort of snarky comments, like, like seeming to assume that I'm somehow responsible for any of Christie's success, which, like, couldn't be further from the truth, you know? And, um, and, you know, even just as soon as she heard the first sort of whisper of that kind of thing, it's like, okay, well, now I'm not, like me, I'm not allowed to look at her stuff anymore because she doesn't want to have that perception, you know? And it's like, it's, and it's just so ridiculous because it's like, well, if the gender were reversed, would anyone be saying that? Like, does anyone say that, oh, like, well, Robert Jordan only became the huge success he was is because his wife, you know, edited all his stuff into made, and made it amazing or something. You know what I mean? It's like, um, no one, no one's ever said that. And, you know, I mean, that's one example, but I mean, it's just, um, it can't, it's hard not to see this as a sort of an extension of that same sort of, um, you know, sort of maybe unconscious misogyny that a lot of people seem to have. Or, you know, a lot of men seem to have anyway. And, um, it's, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's really frustrating. Um, and, um, you know, even for me and let alone, I mean, I can't know hardly, I can't imagine what it is like, what's like for women having to deal with all that kind of thing. But, um, you know, and I mean, I haven't, I haven't actually personally witnessed, uh, the, the harassment myself either. But like Ellen was saying, it's like, I mean, I can definitely, imagine it happening i mean from you know just from seeing the way people have interacted with people at, at conventions and stuff and and the people who have uh come out and said that they were harassed and it's like uh people that i know and i you know i i have no trouble believing that you know i mean they i know that they wouldn't make anything like that up and um so you know and and the thing is it's like for the for the number of people that do speak up you can only imagine like how many are out there that haven't because they're worried about the consequences or the or, or the or the harassment that they'll get just for speaking up. And if I could go back to something there that, that John said about uh, people assuming Christie's success is due to him rather than her, uh, that is one of the things that Joanna Russ talks about in how to suppress women's writing, and it's one of the tactics. It's you know to say, well, she couldn't have written it; he wrote it, or you know he massaged it or you know he he created the circumstances under which it became successful and that is one way of erasing women's writing and discounting it uh you know to sort of go full circle to what we were talking about at the beginning that's one of the ways women fall between the cracks well that's something that's been going going on ever since mary shelley's frankenstein right right Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. said her husband percy shelley must have been the one who really did all the good stuff for something, which yeah. if you, you can actually compare the version that she wrote to the edited version that he did, and that is definitely not the case. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of kind of publishing stuff, though, there's a um, in the Terry Winsling piece in Women Destroy Fantasy, um, she says something that struck me. She says, back in the early 80s, when I was starting out, there was a widely circulated complaint that that the green girls from Vassar were ruining the SF fantasy field. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing that. I was one of them, but I wasn't from Vassar, that was for sure. <laughs> could, could you elaborate, though, on what, what exactly people meant by that? It was a few older white men who were complaining about the um, young women who were getting into the science fiction and fantasy field. The publishers, I mean, the editors, Susan Allison, Beth Meacham, Shauna McCarthy, me, Betsy Mitchell. Um, a lot of women came into the uh, science fiction field as you know, in the editorial departments, and some men resented this or felt it was hurting the field. And what is Green Girls? Is that like inexperienced? Yeah, well, exactly, inexperienced, yes. 
which yes, we were. We started out inexperienced, but so did any editor. The thing is, the thing is with science fiction, don't forget, a lot of editors were writers. Uh, the early editors were writers who became editors. So with us, I mean, we weren't. Most of us were not writers who became editors. We were editors. So some people wrote. Uh, Beth Meacham, I think, at least wrote a couple of stories. But um, we came out of a different. They came out of fandom. We came out of. I'm not sure where. I don't think any of us came out of Vassar, but what do I know? <laughs> uh, but, you know, but we didn't come out of the same, you know, it was like more a, an older white man feeling that these young women who knew nothing about the field were taking it over. Well, and, and notice yeah. Vassar, Vassar's an all women's college, right? right. So that's kind of, it's got yeah, it was. I don't think it is anymore. There. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think there is, um, at least there, there's some level of truth to the fact that more and more women are going to work in publishing, right? I, I, I forget where they, where it said it, but it said somewhere that 85% of, uh, people working in publishing right now who have been there for three years or less are women. And the salaries for the, have gone down. When it was all men, the salary, I mean, comparatively, the, from, when it was a male field, the salaries were higher. Well, I mean, not, you know, counted for inflation. It seems like whenever women, start dominating the field, the, the salaries go down. Yeah. Funny enough. Teaching's a good example. Yes, exactly. Uh, but, I mean, what sort of effect do you guys think this is going to have, the um, sort of majority women working it's in publishing? It's been going on for 20 years. Well, 30. It's been going on since 1980. So it's not exactly new. I mean, those we all came into the field in 1980, in the 80s, the early 80s. Um, I think what's going on, what has been going on is, is – more diverse fiction to some extent. Um, and I'm not sure, maybe more fantasy possibly being published by women because it, it became more popular. Um, I mean, by the women editors. I mean, I think that, yeah, science fiction was dominated by, and it still is, I think, mostly, or not mostly, but a lot of it, surely. Um, there, there is an influx of editors, female editors in the last five, ten years. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's for sure. But I, I think one of the things that's, that's kept women out of science fiction is this sort of perception that women can't do science, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that math is hard and, and all that sort of. Well, to tell you the truth, men can't either. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm <laughs> there are a few people writing science fiction. It's not just women who aren't writing it, but at least in the short fiction, um, I have not, I only started editing science fiction again. I mean, I was doing it a lot at Omni, but I haven't really started again until I started working for Tour.com because most of my anthologies have been fantasy and horror. Mm -hmm. And I'm finding it difficult to find science fiction that I, that I like enough to buy um, for men or women, although I'm not looking at a slush pile. So, But it's really – it seems like – Science fiction is harder to write these days because we know too much about the planets. It, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, so that takes away a certain bit of imagination and people have to use things that we know already. I, I think it's, you know, you have to really do your research more than ever before. It's interesting to me because if you look at uh, Anne Leckie's Ancillary Justice, which won all kinds of awards right you know I, I don't think had no book has has won quite as many in one year as 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 that one and that's science fiction and if you look at the reviews a lot of the reviewers focus on 
one small part of it, which is the the thing with the pronouns, right? And the fact that you, you literally don't know what gender some of the characters are because of the, the way the pronouns are structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think some of the reactions, some of the reviews that I've seen to that have been structured in part because a not only is oh my god here's this woman in in the boys science fictional clubhouse but she's also daring to do something that's kind of overtly feminist right uh, you know playing around with with gender and pronouns is it's a pretty profound statement and it's a really interesting one and i think it's one of the things that makes the book so so terrific well there are men who've done that too yeah past, for sure but, yeah. but look at the reviews i mean the reviews mm-hmm. I, I think get Again, some of them are not so much about the book itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I just, I just speaking of reviews, I actually saw, um, you know, there's the new anthology Hieroglyph, uh, which is uh, co-edited by Catherine Kramer, um, and yet, and and a bunch of the contributors are, are women in the book, and there was a review in this major, uh, there was this major review, and um, basically the the reviewer actually uh, covered the book in pretty great detail, but excluded all mention of women. Didn't mention Catherine Kramer, didn't mention any of the contributors that were women. Yeah, but the only so, con- he only mentioned two contributors, really. Um, I mean, so that, I think, is really not on. And he, they did, I mean, it was really stupid of him not to mention Catherine, and he added that later. But I was looking at the review, and it, did, it only mentions David Brin. I think it mentions, like, two contributors total. Doesn't mention most of the men, either. So I think that's kind of, you know, I, I read that thinking, oh my gosh, you know, and then looking at it, it's like, huh? It's like, he doesn't mention anyone who's in the book. He mentions mostly Neil Stevenson because he's a big name. And I'm not, I'm not even sure Neil's in the book. I haven't read the book, so I don't, and I haven't got a copy. Yeah, he has a, he has a story from a, he has like something that was reprinted from somewhere else. Right. Well, of course, because he's a big name, that's the one that dominates the review. Uh, I mean, do you guys want to talk about some of this fiction that you selected for Women Destroy Horror and Women Destroy Fantasy? Sure. What do you want us to say about it? <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know. Just are there any stories that stick out in your mind? That oh, come on. Pr- oh, come on. But or... I have, I have, like, they, they're like, what, we're going to say, oh, I like this story better than the other? No, no I, I'll go I on, Kat. For you, Ellen. This is a good <laughs> okay. question. I, I All right. <laughs> but so one of the things that I found when I was setting up Women Destroy Fantasy was that I had a vision in my head and then a story came along that just sort of knocked it all askew and I had deliberately said I am not going to buy any fairy tales I don't like most fairy tales mm-hmm. and then I hit uh, Kingfisher's The Dryad Shoe and I had to radically rethink my my thinking so I was wondering if did you start with a particular vision in mind did the the stories kind of come and evolve out of that or no what's really weird okay i ended up with three myths and i did not expect that at all <laughs> i hate myth i mean i did not i'm one of these editors i do not have well gary wolf will argue with me but i don't edit with an agenda um my if i have an agenda it's completely subconscious you know unless i'm doing a theme anthology i mean then it's kind of i have to go with the theme um i had gone for the new stories and the reprints except for the one that came from the slush, uh, the ones that came from the slush pile. Um, I asked a few people who I really wanted. One or two couldn't, didn't have the time. Um, and then I, so I, but I asked people who I've worked with before mostly. One of the stories, I'm trying to remember. Well, okay, I really like Gemma Files' work. Mm. But hers, but I did not, 
approach her for a story, hers came through the slush pile and I took it. If I remember correctly, John, if I'm wrong, you can correct me. I'm like mm. blanking here, you know. Um, but, and one of the stories, well, Pat Cadigan is someone I've worked with a lot and I knew I wanted her. And I asked Livia Llewellyn because she does really interesting work. Now, Catherine McLeod, I had published a story in Fearful Symmetries by her. So I was aware of her from that. Her story from Fearful Symmetries came through the slush pile. And I believe, do you remember, John, if that, if Sideshow came through the slush of um, I, or not? Do you remember? I, th I think Kat, uh, the Catherine, uh, what's, uh, Catherine Crichton. Uh, that one did, but did Catherine McLeod? Right. Right, I don't. I don't think that one did. I thought. I thought okay. you solicited her. I think that. I might have solicited her after someone else turned me down. I mm. shouldn't say this, but well, <laughs> you know, hey, you know, I only had a choice of like you know four people to approach, um, and the reprints were were stories. Well, I wanted, although most people know that Joyce Carol Oates writes horror, there's a whole other group that don't know that, and so I wanted to showcase one of her stories that I had published in the years best years ago. And um, A.R. Moreland is someone who I think is criminally underappreciated, um, although she, her stuff is getting reprinted now. She doesn't have a computer, and she doesn't write that much anymore, as much as she did, because a lot of people won't accept her stories on a typewriter. Um, but I think she's written some fantastic horror stories, and I wanted to bring her name back to the public consciousness. So that's why I chose her. Um, the Catherine Crichton story was definitely the slush story and it was it just really jumped out at me um but what it was as i said what was weird is three of the stories are about myth one which was a reprint and two of the originals and i didn't even realize that until everything was in production i was like wait mm -hmm. a minute i don't even like most myth <laughs> i was like what how did this happen and son of a gun it did so that was completely unintentional Actually, one of the interesting things about um, putting together the issues, uh, specifically with the Women Destroy Horror one, is that so much of uh, horror art actually uh, very much focuses on uh, female forms and maybe in a way that isn't necessarily conducive to a feminist issue. Um, and so, you know, we had we had illustrations for four of the stories in the issue, and um, and then of course we had an original cover. And so, uh, for one of those stories, uh, for the Gemma File story, uh, it's, uh, there, there was an illustration, the illustration that came in, it was very, it, it, it looked great and everything, and it very accurately illustrated the scene in the story, but it was just like showcasing women's bodies in a way that I felt like was a little bit too, um, it made it seem like it was for male gaze or something, you know? Um, and it was like, well, this isn't okay for uh, for a feminist issue specifically, uh, and probably not okay even in general. And so, um, so we had really had to get the artist to sort of revise it and say, okay, well, no, let's let's hide some of those <laughs> some of those uh, breasts and and whatnot, so that it's not like it's not like putting them on display. I mean, because I mean, the characters were naked in the story, and so it's like very accurate depiction. It's just that um, that was one of the the lines we had to try to try to carefully you know tread so that we don't inadvertently like do something that's going to actually offend people when we're trying to do this celebration. Well, one thing I actually deliberately did try to make sure of, although it was harder for the solicited stories, was to get a variety of types of stories by women. I didn't want women's issues to be the theme. I did not want domesticity to be the theme. Um, I wanted to make it clear that women can write all kinds of stories, and that's why for the reprints I picked um, Black and White Sky by Tanith Lee which was completely different, which is not a women's story. 
And uh, on the other hand, of course, some of them are very much so, which I won't say in, people, in case people haven't read them. But, I mean, that was part of my intent to show the variety of what women do write in horror. Have you been getting any feedback, John, on, on these two issues? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have uh, been commenting on Twitter, and, and uh, there's been some, and, there, and it's still early yet, so there haven't been a ton of reviews, but, I mean, the overall response has been very positive. Um, Tangent actually even reviewed, I um, can't remember which one, it, it was either, it was one or the other. Um, they and, did and the horror, actually, then they didn't yeah, do okay. it, they didn't do a hatchet job like they did on right. science fiction. <laughs> he, whoever reviewed, well, it was a different reviewer, and they didn't, yeah. they didn't. I think it was a he. Um, he didn't do it as a, an agenda thing, which probably, I mean, who knows if that's agenda, not, not gender, but agenda thing. And I'm not sure if that was good or bad. <laughs> because, he didn't, because he didn't focus on how it came together. I'm not sure if he read the nonfiction. They were yeah, well, doing destroy fantasy as well. They did. Okay, right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I, uh, if, if it wasn't, uh, so Kat and it was also fine. Like I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean the, the women destroy science fiction tangent review was very aggressive and very that agenda over the top. Yeah. Um, was that so, by Dave? Probably. No, no, he, had, Dave contributed to it. He had a, he had a thing, a, a sort of a coda at the end of it, but then, uh, there was a whole bunch of reviewers. They, I mean, to their credit, they, they covered the hell out of it. Like, you know, they had, <laughs> they, I mean, seriously, like I, they had like multiple people reviewing yep. different different things and they just they covered the hell out of it um but uh but yeah so that one was very it felt like it was very much an agenda focused one whereas uh, these two um uh you know felt more I think like it's just mostly because they do concentrate on science fiction i think that's yeah. one too yeah um cat do you want to add anything about feedback you've gotten uh what it's been like to have the issue released um, I, I've heard from a few people on Twitter that liked it very much, but, uh, other than that, no, I, and I would love to hear more of what people like or dislike about it. So I'm hoping that people will go read it immediately after hearing this podcast and let me know what they think. I agree. Same thing here. I would like more feedback. I don't think there was feedback on individual stories, but nothing on the overall mm -hmm. issue. I, but the horror field is so insular. <laughs> It's kind of strange. I would appreciate more people in horror reading it. Mm -hmm. um, we'll see if it happens in the future, you know, if more people start reading it now after the podcast goes up. Well, yeah, why don't we tell people, uh, John, how do they find, if they want to read this, Women Destroy Fantasy and Women Destroy Horror, how do they find right. it? How do they get it? Okay, well, yeah, um, so for, we created a whole separate website for, as sort of, to serve as sort of a clearinghouse of, for information about the Destroy projects, and so it's just destroysf.com. Um, and if you go there, you can find information about all three of the Destroy books that we published so far, and also information about some of the ones that we're planning in the future. Like next year, we're gonna do a Queers Destroy science fiction, and, um, uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes, see if it, uh, if we end up doing a fantasy and horror one of that, of that as well. Uh, but if you go there, you can find links where you can buy, um, all the different issues. Um, or if you go to fantasy-magazine.com or nightmare-magazine.com, there's also information there. Um, but, uh, both of the issues, or, or all three of them, but, uh, you know, the new ones in specifically, they're all available, um, they're all available in trade paperback, um, and on ebook. So the ebooks for the new ones for fantasy, for women destroy fantasy and women destroy horror, they're just, they're $2.99. Um, and then the trade paperbacks are twelve ninety nine, if I remember, remember correctly. Um, Women Destroy Science Fiction is three ninety nine or seventeen ninety nine, um, and that's just the price difference is just reflective of the size. Like and I said, some uh, of the some of the stories are on the site too. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you can also read a bunch of uh, the stories for free. You can read about half the stories for free. 
um, for, for all of them. Um, and so again, you, if you go to fantasy-magazine.com or nightmare-magazine.com or lightspeedmagazine.com, um, you know, you can find the issue, uh, you can find the issue there and you can, and you can read about half the stories. Um, although again, I think probably the easiest way for people to find it is just to go to destroysf.com, um, and then, you know, click on the, on the issue in particular that you want to check out and, and you can find all the links. Like you can find, where you, you can find a link to where all the, the free stories are online and where you can find the ebook and where you can find the trade paperback and all that. So, All right, cool. So that's pretty much all our time. Uh, does anyone have any other projects they want to mention? Any final thoughts? Anything like that? I don't know. I've got a bunch <laughs> of stuff out this year, more than I think I've had out in a few years. Um, just out of uh, The Cutting Room, which is reprinted movie horror and Nightmare Carnival, which is Nightmare Carnival stories. And we, if we could have called it Dark Carnival, we would have. <laughs> and it's got an introduction by um, Catherine Dunn, who wrote Geek Love many years ago. So those are my most recent projects that are out. And I, I've got a something called The Doll Collection coming out next year from Tor Books, which is um, horror doll, doll horror. <laughs> with some, and it should have some photographs in it, too, of some of my dolls, some of Rick Bose's dolls, or doll pieces. I don't know. He's got scenarios of dolls and um ellen clay just so it should be black and white illos inside little photographs and that's what i'm up to and i've been i've I've got various stories coming out uh like i think i'm not sure when the podcast is going to come out but i think with the next thing to come out is the shattered shields anthology Mm -hmm. from bane which is military fantasy and then i've got a uh a pair of rogues or a rogue and a wizard in the Blackguards anthology that's coming out. I've also got a Patreon campaign that I've been running where people can get uh, fresh, original, never published before stories from me in their mailbox if they like uh, for a nominal fee, uh, which you can find out about on my website. And what's your website? Oh, sorry. Uh, catrambo.com works fine. <laughs> oh, and let me do one more thing. I just remembered. Um, the five, five of the six retold fairy tale anthologies that Terry and I um, edited between 90, oh, I think it was 93 and 97 or something like that, or 98, are now ebooks from Open Road. Five out of six of them are up there, available for Kindle and Nook and whatever. All right, cool. And John, any final final word? Uh, well, yeah, I'll just... Uh... Say again that, uh, you know, we're going to launch the Queers Destroy Science Fiction uh, next year. Uh, that's going to be a, a Lightspeed special issue for, for 2015. In January, we're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign for it to, again, try to fund uh, making making it a double issue. Um, and if we do well enough, we're going to unlock, we're going to have stretch goals for, for Queers Destroy Fantasy and Queers Destroy Horror. And, uh, you know, if it does very well, then we'll have uh, those issues as well. Um uh, Queers Destroy Science Fiction is going to be guest edited by Sean and McGuire, um, with Steve Berman selecting the reprints, and uh, we have some other uh, great people lined up, uh, but uh, can't quite announce yet. But uh, again, if you go to DestroySF.com, you'll find information about that, and uh, you can find out how to how to find the Kickstarter and all that when once it goes live. And again, we really want feedback on women destroy fantasy and women destroy horror. So come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that all sounds great. So I think we're going to wrap things up there. So guys, thanks so much for joining us. I had a great time. Thanks for inviting me. It was fabulous. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. And that was our panel. So a big thanks again to Ellen Datlow, Kat Rambo, and John Joseph Adams for joining us on the show. 
And of course, a very special thank you to all of our crowdfunders. This episode was made possible thanks to support from listeners such as Jeff Gass, Kenneth Reed, and Raymond Chan. To learn more, visit us at geeksguideshow.com and click on crowdfunding. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarkirtley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.